Our Creator began His Big Ten with this command, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. He is in a class by Himself. And He ended His list with, Thou shalt not covet. This is Truth Encounter, and as we conclude our discussion of the Tenth Commandment today, we want to focus our attention on the equation between coveting and idolatry. All of sin flows out of the breaking of the first commandment. It's about not having true love. Every one of you need to ask yourself, who am I in love with? And I'll tell you how you'll get the answer to that. What turns on your heart? What moves you to get up in the morning? Man, if you get up in the morning and you're driven, man, I need to get to work. Man, I really need to get to work because when I work, I really feel like I'm alive. I mean, the people at work make me feel like I'm important. Man, I just love to make another buck. You know, I'm a salesman. And if I can only make another sale, man, that's really what drives me. Man, if I'm driving to work, I can hardly wait. That's what your God is. That's what you're in love with. That's what you're in love with. You need to ask yourself, what are you in love with? What the writer is saying is that to love what God doesn't love for you is to be an idolater. You're worshiping another God. Your God is whatever is controlling my life and yours. It's whatever makes us feel alive. We read a little bit further here. He talks about misdirected internal longing. I want you to think about the internal longings of your heart. And I want you to really understand this. You've got to get this because this is what our society is so confused about. Our society feels that desire equals life. If you feel it in your heart, if you long for it inside, then it's got to be right. And that's got to be wrong. You've got to get this. Because there's people that are right here, and you've got some friends that you need to go out and share this with, with your friends. You see, Satan is selling you a counterfeit. And he's selling you it really good. Because the essence of sin is a false love. And our society believes, if I really have a passion for this, if it really, if I desire it, if I long for it inside, then it's got to be right. And I want to talk to you about that passion that's inside. I want you to talk to you first of all about the power of the eye. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 21, Thou shalt not covet your neighbor's wife. Now, if God had to tell us not to covet our neighbor's wife, then what does it imply about what we might want to do? In other words, as you're in this audience as a group of men, would the writer of Deuteronomy and the writer of Exodus believe that as you go into the office and as you work around beautiful women during the day and as you get close to them as friends, would the writer think that maybe a desire could well up in your heart for that woman? What do you think? If God had to tell you, don't covet your neighbor's wife, it implies we're going to have trouble coveting what? Right here in this church family, in fact, in a church family is one of the most dangerous places you can be if you don't have true love in your heart. 
You can be working together in a youth program. You can be working together in Sunday school. You can be in a Sunday school class. You can be studying the Word of God together. And suddenly the desires start to pulsate inside of you. And you start to feel things for someone. You know, maybe your partner's cold towards you. Maybe you've got a husband that will never listen to you. Maybe you've got a wife who just treats you like your mother consistently. I mean, she's always telling you to take out the garbage. She's always telling you to clean up your room. She's always telling you to pick up you-know-what off the floor because you always throw it there. And you finally find a woman who, whose heart is with you. I mean, you can talk to her. You can open your very soul to her. You can just share things that you were not able to share with anyone else and your, your whole inner being has never felt more alive. So what do you do? Well, you can the legitimate marriage relationship that you made a promise to and you go into this relationship and then what you do, you change churches because then everything will be all right. Now, I've really started meddling and stopped preaching, but this is reality. This is where you're going to be at. It's where I'm at. This is a very real thing I'm talking about. See, our society feels if I desire, in other words, if I'm going along and I'm a little bit tired and I'm a little bit you know, burden-laden from trying to carry all these kids and, and get Jonathan through school and, and Joel's coming on too and, and Mary's sick with the flu. And man, I deserve, man, after all, I poured out my life for you. And if some beautiful chick comes along and I'm on a trip and man, I begin to really desire, America screams at me, you can do it. No, I cannot. And either can you. And if you do, you're walking into death. The Bible is very realistic about that. You see, you think the battle's over because you're in love, quote, quote. Some idiot walked in my office and says, I'm in love. Now, please come to my office. I'm not judging you that way. I want to help you. This is the most sub seductive, counterfeit love there is. But somebody comes in and says, I've got to do it. I say, why do you have to do it? Because I'm in love. What do you mean you're in love? Man, I've never desired somebody like this. I've never felt more alive than when I'm with this person. I know this person will make me happy. No, they won't. Only God can make you happy. And God will never tell you, God will never lead you against His Word. You've got to get this, brothers and sisters. Desire in your heart doesn't make it right. In fact, that's what the whole story is about. You have two hearts. One of them is a heart for God, and one of my hearts is for God. But I got another stinking dirty corpse that I carry around with me that loves all kinds of illicit objects. And from the, from the very depths of my being, don't do what David did. You see, you got great Old Testament examples. David looked at Bathsheba, and all he needed to do is, remember, thou shalt not covet your neighbor's wife. She belongs to Uriah, not to me. I just turn away and I say, Lord, help Uriah to really enjoy his wife. And David focuses on what belongs to him. And God had given him all that his heart could ever desire. But an illicit love, and it's not love, it's lust. It's from the pit of hell. You've got to get this. Satan makes it look better than the real thing. 
Satan makes it look hotter and more passionate and more life-giving and more thrilling and more exciting and exhilarating. But he's going to murder you. And the greatest joy you're going to have is up here with a song of songs. And I plead with you from the bottom of my heart, nothing can take the place of sexual relationship with a woman that God gave to you for a lifetime. If you've already thrown that to the wind and the Lord wants to meet your need right where you are and he wants you to start right now and believe that, he wants to take the relationship that all of you are in and make it what he wants it to be. The power of the eye. Watch out for your eyes. Husbands, you cannot go. You cannot go to a movie and sit there and drool over another woman without hurting your wife. You can't do it. If you make love to a Hollywood starlet in your mind, when you're making love to your wife, you're killing her, and she knows it. You know what you're telling her? You're saying, you could disappear. I'd like someone else to take your place. And men, I want to share with you what a monkey that the devil's making of you. Because if you go to the kind of a film where the women take off their clothes, and half the woman that you think you're making love to is a composite video image. And Satan laughs all the way to the bank. Because God could give you the real thing with a woman who's attached with her head to the right body and you can enjoy her to your heart's content in your marriage relationship and you idiot think you're in love with a video image. That's pretty sick. I want you to see how sick it is so you'll live for the real thing. I want you to pray for me that I'll live for the real thing. Watch out for looking at the Bathsheba. I mean, at least David did it with a real woman. In our society, men do it with video images. Women do it with video images. It's the ultimate expression of this deception that Satan has for us. He's trying to get us to believe in a counterfeit love. Watch out for the power of wrong appetites. The rabble craved in Numbers chapter 11. In Numbers chapter 11, God was graciously giving the people manna, giving them food. And they got tired of it. And they said their hearts just longed, this, this deep internal passion welled up from within. And they said, oh, we want another kind of a food. The Lord said, well, I'm going to give you quail till you're sick of it. The Lord caused a big wind to come up with the Mediterranean and just filled the people with quail. Only they disobeyed the Lord and didn't cook it. They were supposed to pour out the blood. Instead, they just grabbed the quail and just ate them raw like cannibals. And the Lord was really upset with them, but that deep internal craving welled up within them. And I want you to see, there's the power of your eye, and then there's the power of your heart. It's the power of your internal craving. You see, this is the attitude, this, this is the desire that wells up from deep in your gut. And you feel it's controlling you. Our society lives for that attitude. And I want you to realize you don't have to live for that attitude. It's a counterfeit. It's a lie. It's not true. These people said, man, we just got to eat quail. But that's not the meaning of life. You need to enjoy the manna that the Lord wants to give for you. Now, Proverbs chapter 4 has a very important verse. that says, above all things, above everything that you do, guard your heart. 
Why did it tell you that? Because from it are the wellsprings of life. You see, the key to this thing is that you've got to guard your heart. Now, we're finishing the Ten Commandments today, and as we finish the Ten Commandments, there's something that's happened. I want to share something with you. If I tell little Jessica, no, instead of taking the pin away, if I say, Jessica, don't take the pin and eat it. Okay, I say this little crawler, Jessica, don't grab the pin and don't eat it, but I leave the pin there. And then I leave the room. Audience, where is the pin going to be when I come back in? In fact, I want to share something with you. Up until then, Jessica might not want the pin in a million years, but as soon as I say, now I want every one of you to listen to me, I don't want any of you in this audience to look at the ceiling. Nobody look at the ceiling. Now, what do all of you want to do? Hans just looked. <laughs> Why is that? Why is it that as soon as somebody tells you don't, everything inside of you says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Because Romans 7 says this. Romans 7 says that until the law of God came, I thought I was alive. I thought I was crawling along pretty good. But then God's law came along and I read, Thou shalt not covet. And I realized that, that all of these commands of God weren't just external physical things. They were internal they were internal attitudes and passions that are inside of me. And Paul talked about the fact that God's moral law came and it, he talked about it killing him. You see, what God's law does, God's law for an unregenerate person, for someone that hasn't come to know Christ, and that old stinking corpse that, that we carry around with us as a group of believers, the core of our being when we don't have Christ in our life is you tell us no, we want to do it more. That's why getting good laws can't be the ultimate answer. Don't pour your life. I'm not saying not to express your democratic values. I'm not saying don't vote. I'm not saying not to get involved in causes, but I want every one of you to realize you can get all the laws in the books and all it does is inflame. It just inflames the passion to disobey the law. In fact, stolen fruit is much sweeter than fruit you can get freely. Now, what's the answer? I want you to turn to Romans 7 for the answer. This is the only answer there is. Paul comes through this whole chapter saying, Men alive, God's command kills me. And then he says this. Verse 24 of Romans chapter 7. What a wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from the body of this death? The body of this death means this corpse that becomes part of our life that smells and desires all of these things that when God tells us no, there's a part of us that wants to break it just as quick as anything. What a wretched man that I am. Who will ever rescue me from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. 
Therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life, a new principle, this is a new internal principle within. God sends his Holy Spirit to live inside of me. And this new Holy Spirit living inside of me sets me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the Spirit. You know, without the Spirit of God in your life, you're going to keep wanting the pins. You see, what's wrong with some of you? You say, Dave, I don't really feel that I love God at all. Some of you say, Dave, you tell us to read the Bible. In fact, you know, I come to church. I don't want to read the Bible. You know what you need to ask yourself? Have you ever really genuinely come to the cross for yourself? And if you're a believer, you need to ask yourself, have I gotten away from the cross and the resurrection? You know, it's a lot like a marriage relationship. You know when I'm tempted? I'm tempted when, when the marriage and the family life just becomes part of everyday life. And I forget when I first saw Mary. I forget this summer at Word of Life when I, when I first met her. I forget being at the tennis court and this beautiful chick walked by and, and she was reading a letter from another guy and I took the challenge. <clears throat> I forget going to Letchworth Park and making her walk all the way across his trestle, scared to death, and asking her to marry me. I forget going to a restaurant that night, hardly even knowing where it was, just floating on air and spending the whole next day up at Niagara Falls in a fairyland because we'd just gotten engaged. I forget that. I forget my marriage history. What about you? I forget the first time I walked into the hospital and there was Jonathan nestling on her, on her breast. And I was a daddy. And then beautiful Joel and by that time, the medical profession had developed enough. They let us dads in. And I was right there when, when precious Joshua was born. And then when Janae was born and she had a fever and we didn't know she'd be all right. And Mary and I prayed all night long that everything would be fine. And then we brought her home, a beautiful, healthy baby girl. When I lust, I forget my marriage history. And so do you. And the Lord says, remember. One of the key words of relationship with God is remember. Remember when you first understood the message of the cross. Remember when you first understood that he gave his life for you. Remember when you first 
committed yourself to the reality that he was alive from the dead. He rose again from the dead. Remember how he guided you. Remember how he has answered your prayers. Remember your marriage, spiritual marriage relationship with God. What I want you to understand, you're not going to ever overcome Satan's counterfeit love with rules, with disciplined rigidity, with more human effort. It'll never work. In fact, it'll make it worse. You see, if I've got a dead marriage that I'm working with in counseling, I don't increase the rules. I don't increase the obligation. I try to get them to remember. I try to get them to go back and remember the gift of love, the gift of legitimate love that they've forgotten. I try them to get them to go back and do some of the former things. I try to get them to date. I try to get them, we might even start out, just go to Steak and Ale just for one night. And even if you just sit there all by yourself and don't say a word because the anger is still blocking you, at least just silently be together. Spend some time together. And I try to get them to go back and we try to recreate the marriage history. And if God is kind and if hearts open up, the Spirit of God can come down and can give love again. As we close this message from the bottom of my heart, I want you to know life does ebb and flow. There's cold and there's hot. But I want to share with you that deep in my soul, the greatest joy of my life is this authentic, genuine intimacy with God. He's given me good gifts, just like you. My wife, my kids, my home. No one has the right to covet what rightfully belongs to me. None of you can have Mary. Nobody can kidnap my kids without my heavenly daddy being really ticked off about it. And if it happens, then one day, as the righteous judge of the universe, he will make it right. He also says, Dave, you don't have the right to steal anyone else's wife, to steal anyone else's physical prosperity and material blessings. You be content with the good gifts I give to you. And don't covet what I don't desire for you. Will you believe that today? It's all about love. A legitimate, heartfelt longing for God yields the good things, good sex, good land, good families, good. Or you can believe the Satan's counterfeit lie and you can fall in love with emptiness because he's a deceiver and a liar from the beginning. And we have to decide who will hold the love of our heart? Please don't be like little crawling Jessica. When Daddy takes the pins away, it's because he really, really cares. 
I believe that these studies that we've been doing on this 10th commandment, thou shalt not covet, gets right at the heart of what we've been going over for the past month and a half as we've looked at the foundation of all of biblical morality in the 10 commandments. And I deeply appreciate the challenge to allow the word of God to be like a spiritual MRI that exposes the stupidity of false loves and exposes the deceitfulness and the lying of our feelings at times. And I do pray if any of you are being pulled away from your legitimate covenant relationships, uh, maybe you're a, a middle-aged husband who is beginning to wonder about your age and you're beginning to feel that your manhood and your virility is uh, at the last moment of its strength and you feel if you don't go for it now, you're going to miss it forever. Please, please, please don't go out and foolishly follow your lust. Please remember that in the long run, only God can make us happy. In the long run, obedience to God is going to give us not only life now and not only abundance now, but it will give us joy and healing and and ultimate healing forever and ever and ever in eternity.